0: Hello and welcome to the weekend edition of the Double Double here today. Uh, my name is Noah Dakin. I'll be our host for today. Uh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Connor Schertzmer. Uh, with, and with us along today, we have a special guest in Casey. Uh, and I guess today we're going to get right back into it. So Super Bowl, big game tomorrow. A um, couple of QBs that have shown they've really got the stuff to be the best in the league. And I think it's finally gonna, so we're finally going to see whether Patrick Mahomes can take over Tom as the GOAT of the league. I think this is really the big decider. Um, Tom is pushing for his seventh Super Bowl. That's going to make him the, uh, the person at the top for Super Bowl wins, even over any team in the league, which is just incredible. Uh, while Patrick Mahomes is trying to get back at Tom for that 2018 loss, which would be his only playoff loss that he has been handed to the hands of Tom Brady, who else could it be? So I guess we'll, we'll toss it over to Connor. Uh, what do you think uh, of this QB
1: faceoff, and how do you think this is going to go? It's going to be a crazy one. I mean, they're both great quarterbacks, obviously. We got the older guy in Brady. I mean, he's proven what he can do. Mahomes has also proven what he can do, but still a little bit more unproven. So we got to see, hey, can he win that second Super Bowl? Uh, I think this is key because if he loses a Super Bowl to the GOAT, can he really be the GOAT? And it puts Brady at one more Super Bowl and he'll be at seven. So that's just one more to chase. So I think it's key.
0: Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, of course, we can already tell he's going to become this great quarterback of the league, probably win quite a few Super Bowls as well, just as Tom Brady has. But it'd be really funny to see his only two games that he played against Brady be losses in really important games. I would, you know, just playoff games that are super. It's it's just funny. It's just
2: funny. Casey, what do you think of it? What do you think of this face off? Oh, this is going to be a huge one. I mean, Patrick Mahomes being how young he is still, he already has MVP over like under his belt and Tom Brady being the GOAT. We all know he's the GOAT. There's no discussion. So this is a matchup for the ages. I can't wait to see it. It's kind of like, I kind of want to compare this to what if LeBron James would have played Kobe in the finals. That's what I'm kind of comparing it to just right. because we all wanted to see it. And now we're finally seeing it. Yes. So that's what I'm kind of comparing it to. So I re- I'm really excited about this Super Bowl. Um it should be a good one. If Tom Brady comes out of it and wins another Super Bowl, being the underdog, he is the underdog in this game, then, man, there's no there's no debate that he's going to be considered the greatest of all time, and it's going to be hard to catch him. Yeah, yeah
0: Absolutely. And, I've, I mean, of course, we could sit here and talk about the quarterbacks of this game all day, but I think it's important to talk about a few of the other key players that might be on the offensive or defensive side of both teams um, who might make a really big impact on the Super Bowl. Um, and I guess we should probably start out with – who maybe be out for the Super Bowl. So, uh, As we can see, we've got a couple of Buccaneers players, such as uh, most notably Antonio Brown, who is still listed as questionable after having limited participation in uh, the last practice. Um, and Jason Pierre-Paul, a really big key defensive as well, who's been shown to maybe have questionable playoff playoff status for the championships. So going over to you first, Casey, what do you think? Who are some X-Factor players that might make a big difference in this game?
2: And, yeah, I want to talk about a little bit about, like, the X-Factor players, but, like, obviously, like Travis Kelsey, wide receiving options. And then, obviously, like, both teams have good defenses, offenses. That's why they're in the Super Bowl, of course, right? So, but I also want to talk about a different X-Factor, and this is just going to be come down to experience. And experience is key in this game. Tom Brady, obviously, has been to – this will be his tenth Super Bowl, and then Patrick Mahomes. This will be his second Super Bowl. So, I mean, I think experience comes over like that. X fact that's more of an X factor to me than like players at this situation. Because Tom Brady, obviously, he's been there, done that, and we'll like. It's hard not to talk about quarterbacks, but yeah, like I mean, both have good wide receiver. Like, in, Antonio Brown does play. It's going to definitely come in clutch. Like, he's a good player. We all know that. He's had some troubles legally that I don't really want to mention. But um, but if he can come out and play this game, like we know Antonio Brown can, he'll be an X factor for sure. We'll just have to see if he can be healthy enough to play in this game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you saying a big X factor is the experience. I think that's super true. I mean, we've seen Tom Brady come back from a ridiculous deficit in the late third, fourth quarter against poor Matt Ryan. <laughs> I mean, we've seen his experience show through in, in situations like that. And you're right. Uh, when you mentioned Travis Kelsey, we've got other guys like Tyreek Hill and another player on the Chiefs, such as Sammy Watkins, who, who does show up for a big game every now and then, uh, who is questionable. So we'll have to see about that. But, yeah, it's, it's going to come down to all those receivers on both teams even. Chris Godwin especially is going to have to come out, get some big yardage. I think Mike Evans is going to have to do at least one touchdown catch. He's going to have to do, make something happen on that on those last five yards. I mean, he, he's shown that he can do it, 13 touchdowns on the season. Can't really say anything bad about him. But over to you, Connor. What do you think about some of these X-Factor players that can make a difference? I mean,
1: I think Casey was exactly right with experience. I mean, Brady's done this 10 times. Well, it will be his 10th time now. Uh, you got to start, does he even get nervous in these moments? He's been there so much. I mean, obviously you think he would get nervous, but, you know, he's done this. It seems like every year he's at least in the conversation for the Super Bowl. Uh, but anyway, I feel like a notable thing is Tyree Kill, last time he played Tampa Bay, he had 13 receptions for 269 yards and three touchdowns. And they didn't play him in most of the fourth quarter, so he could have probably had four touchdowns, maybe 300 yards. So I think the key is to stop him. So I don't know if they're going to have to double cover him. I personally would. You can't let him get the long ball because if he, he can run right past you, so you got to have a safety over the top or it's over. Uh, and then Kelsey, they're going to have to go single coverage on him because you can't double cover two guys. I mean, he yeah, you just got to stop him. So I'm thinking they're going to either put white on him or maybe a safety, the other strong safety. But yeah, I don't really know because both their safeties are actually on, they're questionable. So that's going to be a key thing too. And then on the Chiefs defense, I mean, obviously they have a great pass rush with Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Um, Jones having seven and a half sacks on the season and Clark having six sacks. I mean, that's a lot of sacks. And they have two other guys who can do the same exact thing. And you always got to account for Tyron Matthew because I personally believe he's probably the best safety in the league. I mean, he just finds the ball. He has six interceptions on the year. I mean, that's crazy. And then you got to also account for Daniel Sorensen. I mean, he leads the team in tackles with 68 solo tackles, which is really impressive. So that's my Chiefs X-Factors.
0: Yeah, awesome. It's it's really going to come, especially after uh, this last conference championship game with the Chiefs. Uh, again, two big names. Tyreek Hill had nine receptions and 172 yards in that, while Kelsey was was at a respectable 11 receptions with 120 yards and two touchdowns. So both coming off an extremely hot streak. And I think you're right. If this it's going to come down to defense, I think, and which defense can get going first against the other person, the other opposing team's offense. Because like you were mentioning some of those names, Chris Jones, pass awesome pass rusher, Sorensen, just an absolute all around demon on the pitch, Um, Tyron Matthew, obviously honey badger. He's been, he's been doing some horrible things in the playoffs to other teams. So it really is interesting to see what kind of differences those both sides of the ball are going to make in this game. So after talking about this kind of players, who do we think is going to win? Connor, I'll go over to you first. Who do you think we're going to see pull out the dub in this one?
1: I got Tampa Bay winning and I think it's going to be close. I say 28, 25. yeah, it's going to be close. And I think the MVP, it could either go to Brady or Ronald Jones. I mean, I think they're going to try to establish the run game because that's going to help Brady. I mean, Brady can't get past rush very much. I mean, he's not very mobile. He stays in the pocket. So you got to help him with that run game. So I say, this is my bold prediction. Ronald Jones rushes for over a hundred yards. Wow.
0: Hey, and I love that because as we've seen in the past playoff performances So far, it's been Leonard Ford doing a lot of the heavy lifting, especially with punching in that touchdown for the Buccaneers at the end. But I would love to see Ronald Jones come in and help Leonard Ford. even surpass him in this Super Bowl to show that he really is, uh, going into next season especially, a very uh, startable running back. Uh, So, Casey, how about you? Who do you think we're going to see on top at the end of this?
2: Oh, I said it on Thursday, and I'm going to keep that prediction. I Like with my show, I want to keep it. I'm going to say the Chiefs are going to win this one. They're – they're the team to beat right now. They've showed it for the past couple seasons that they're the team to beat. And Patrick Mahomes is getting better and better. So with that being said, I think they're just they're not going to run all over the uh, Buccaneers. It's not gonna happen. It's a Super Bowl. We hope it's not gonna happen because we wanna see an exciting game. But that being said, Patrick Mahomes is gonna take home the MVP. He's gonna win his second Super Bowl. And then he's gonna take over the torch of Tom Brady. And we'll see what happens with that.
0: Yeah, again, going back to that quarterback matchup that we're going to see, it's going to be a fantastic show. Um, Bold prediction on my end, I am with Connor on this one. I think the Buccaneers are going to end up taking it at the end. Uh, and Honestly, it's, it's a bit hard to imagine, but I think this might come down to a defensive battle. Um, I think that both the Chiefs and Buccaneers are going to show that they can equally keep up with these offenses uh, and show that they can, maybe we'll see a couple of interceptions even in the Super Bowl, which would be, which would be exciting. But, yeah, I think somebody who I think is maybe both the biggest is Devin White. Uh, coming off his game, he had nine tackles, six assists. I mean, he's coming into the Super Bowl probably charged as he ever could be uh, to hopefully win. Um, so I think we're going to see some surprising stuff out of both defenses.
1: Yeah. I think what you said about Devin White, I mean, he does have 97 solo tackles on the season. I mean, he's a force. He's fast. I can't remember his 40-yard dash, but I think it was 4-4, somewhere around there. So he is a fast linebacker who could cover
0: Kelsey potentially. So kind of springing off of the football topic, I think we should drift over to the Goff and Stafford trade, which just recently happened in the past couple of weeks. Uh, Connor, do you want to give us any insight on that?
1: Yeah, so – this Early in this week, uh, the Lions traded Stafford to the Rams in exchange for Goff, two first-round picks and a third-round pick. Um, A lot of people are – they think this is controversial because they're not sure if Stafford is worth two first-round picks at his age. I mean, you got to keep in mind he is 32 years old. Um, We know he's a good player. In my opinion, he's top seven in the league. But do we know that he can win? I mean, we saw him in – with Detroit, I mean – great quarterback, but maybe it was a system, maybe it was the coaching, maybe it was the ownership, but he did not have very much success there for how good he actually is.
0: Yeah, it was a tough watch for Stafford, uh, obviously 32 years of age. Uh, if we're comp- We can't compare him to Tom Brady because Tom Brady's ancient, but 32 is getting a little bit up there for a quarterback. Uh, honestly, entering his prime for, all, for most of those guys, you know, around 32 to 35, but most of them are doing some amazing things. Um, but it's, I think it's a really interesting opportunity for Goff to maybe show his value and worth to the team. Uh, at 26 years old, he's still got a lot of time to show he can be a really good franchise quarterback. Um, of course, he had some awesome weapons over at uh, Los Angeles with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I mean, those guys are awesome catchers. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how he can evolve with a guy like Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones Jr. or some, Even some of the younger guys that they have. But uh, Casey, how, what do you think about this? What do you think about this trade that happened?
2: Oh, man, this division is going to be crazy next year if you think about it. If you think about it, like the Seahawks were like obviously the favorite this year, but the, the Rams were also right behind them. I, I made a prediction last year that the Rams were going to win their division and come up with it in the last couple of games because the Seahawks were having some trouble and it didn't happen. And then the Rams beat them like in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, the Cardinals are just going to get better They're young still. And then the 49ers were injury-prone the whole season. So we'll see what happens with that. And so this division is going to be really good. I can't wait to see it next season. But, yeah, going back to that trade, I mean, he – like, Stafford finally got some help. He wants to – like, Detroit has – okay, let's be honest. Detroit's not the best team. It hasn't been the best team in how many years? Can anybody – can anybody say? Yeah, unfortunately not. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so I think he finally got some help leaving – Uh, the Detroit Lions, and he's finally going to have some help, have some good receivers that he can throw to, and he's going to have a phenomenal season next year, and I'm really excited to see what that division holds for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think something that Stafford's always needed is maybe to get into an offensive core that has good, reliable wide receivers. I feel like, especially in this past couple of years, uh, Kenny Gallagher, of course, is fantastic, but is quite injury-prone. Marvin Jones Jr. has had a with a couple of injuries here and there um but i think something that Stafford really just has needed for a while is just to come into a good offensive state of mind uh with wide receivers and an o-line that can communicate healthily and just conduct that offense beautifully uh but like you said earlier with the two trade with the two uh first round picks uh and i believe it was another third round pick correct yes Yes. Um, What are we thinking with the future of that team? Casey, we'll start with you. How how do you think that might affect the future of the Lions within the next three to five years?
2: I don't think it'll affect it too much because if you think about it, the Rams, yes, I mean, they had to give up some picks, but you have to realize what position they're going to be in in the next couple of years. Uh, They're probably going to be a good playoff team for the next couple of years. So with that being said, I think they'll be fine. And then Detroit, I mean, yeah. I feel like it's a good opportunity for Detroit to kind of rebuild and, like, see what they got. Like, Goff, like you said, is, like, 26 years old. Maybe he can come and be this franchise quarterback that we never saw coming. I mean, he's young. He can throw the ball. We can. We just have to wait and see how that system comes out, like, in the future. But, yeah, I think it, I think it was worth it for both teams at the end of the day. I mean, Stafford needed help. He wanted to – like, he never expressed that he wanted to leave or anything like that, I don't think. But he just – he wanted to be on a playoff contending team. And I think the Rams are an up and coming team that nobody's really thought about. So I think with him going to the Rams is going to help his career. And I mean, he's 32. I mean, if he goes to Brady's age, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I don't think that will happen. But I think he just needed a fresh start.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, Stafford again, like it's just truly an unfortunate career for such a fantastic quarterback. Uh, It's going to be really interesting to see how he fits into that, that offense. Um, but I guess we should probably talk about another big name quarterback, uh, in Deshaun Watson, who is still uh, on the line for anyone, perhaps, I mean, everyone should be trying to go for him right now, to be completely honest. Uh, but what do you think, we'll go over to you, Connor, what do you, uh, what do you think that does to Deshaun Watson's trade value and how it might up it or does it decrease it or what are we looking at here?
1: I mean, I think the trade's going to happen, but I think that this trade shows the increase in value of what teams are going to have to give up, I mean, they're going to have to give up the whole farm. I mean, we're talking maybe three first-round picks, four first-round picks, we don't know. Um, I know a team that's being talked about for getting them is the Broncos, and they think they're going to have to give up Drew Locke, four first-round picks, and then Tim Patrick, who is a promising young wide receiver. So I'm just wondering, do you guys think he's worth those four first-round picks? giving up those four first-round picks.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, seeing what De- Watson could do with that offensive core in Houston, which was a tough scene, let's be honest, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what can happen with them if, we, if they put them into a team such as, the, I think, the Dolphins, if we're going to be honest, uh, a team that had a great record, a really good season on the defensive and offensive side but it seemed like they're really missing a quarterback that could be solid and could provide a good game every week. Um, so
2: over to you, Casey, what do you think of this? How is Deshaun Watson's trade value going to be affected? This, this trade has increased his trade value. Let, let's say another couple first-round picks, to be honest. It's going to increase his trade value. And like you said, we just have to think about who has the like, – like picks to actually execute this trade. Like we also – Like the jets have obviously like a lot of value with the number two pick this upcoming draft, but we, they have to see, they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence anymore. They kind of screwed that up. So, (laughs) um, uh, but we'll have to see who's on the draft board. I think Deshaun Watson will get traded obviously, but it depends when, and that's like if other quarterbacks are going around the league and getting traded, it will have to see the value on those trades. And it's, it's a mess right now for Deshaun Watson and the Texans, but, for a team he might go to. I was talking to my co-host, Coop. He's a Pats fan. Cam Newton is not under contract. Why not just go to like New England? Why not? I'm just saying, why not? They don't have to re-sign Cam. Um, so if he goes to the Patriots, it'll make them an actual football team again. So, <laughs> um, So I think going to the Patriots and he'll fit that system pretty well. So the Patriots. Yeah, and I think we can all be honest with each other here. I think any team
0: that we're going to see Deshaun Watson go to is going to be pretty dramatically improved on uh, after seeing what he did this last season. I think it's, there's no doubt. He's probably top five in the league at this point. Um, and it's just going to be really interesting to see where he goes to improve and show off his game with maybe a better offensive group. And it's just going to be super interesting, but now we're going to change the topic in sport into baseball um and most importantly we're going to talk about one of the big signings that just occurred a couple days ago in Trevor Bauer now Trevor as we all know is quite the character he likes trolling I think almost anyone that he can uh, especially on Twitter it's such it's so fun to watch him not only do that but just be an absolute beast at the game coming up coming off that Cy Young win I mean he's got the goods to back up what he's saying um, and so we see this—we see this tweet that goes out uh, for his personal accounts uh, that shows signed Mets hats that are getting handed out uh, as like a oh maybe he's going to the Mets, but at the same time there were there were Dodgers signed hats being handed out. I mean, it wasn't anything special, but. Of course, Mets fans took it to the next level uh, and just got so incredibly hopeful that they were they were bringing him home, that they were going to have this absolutely fantastic pitcher to, to better their roster for the next couple of seasons. And, of course, we see him go to the Dodgers. It's a tough scene for all baseball fans, but with, with his antics and all that stuff, do you guys ever think Trevor Bauer goes a little too far with how he uh, portrays himself to the media and how he trolls certain teams and such. Uh, Casey, what
2: do you think about that? Trevor Bauer is a character, and he is a crazy man at that. He on his YouTube channel, he's like going over memes that have made him in different uniforms. He's been talking about why this might be the best opportunity for me to go to a certain program, like certain franchise. He he is a crazy personality, but you kind of want that on your team. And with that being said. I think going to the Dodgers, he's always said he wanted to go back to L.A. He went to UCLA as a in college. So going back to like L.A., he kind of hinted at it in the past. So but his character, man, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he pitches next season. I don't know. Like that rotation is Kershaw, Bueller, now Bauer. They still have Dustin May. Like they have so many arms that can throw one through four. They have three aces on their team. So we'll see what happens with them. But overall, this, this is going to shock the world of baseball. And we'll see how he performs. I mean, he openly said that he had substance that he used all last season just to prove a point. So we'll see if he actually can have that spin rate like he had last year. Because nobody jumps up 500 uh, RPMs like, just like that. So we'll just see how he actually pitches it on no substance. Because I feel like this season, they're going to really cut down on that and make sure that nobody does it. Right. Yeah, I
0: mean, and they're, they're sure, they are surely tossing a lot of money at him. I think the, the, the signing was three years at $102 million, which, of course, the Dodgers have for some reason because they can just buy everyone, uh, as it seems. But, yeah, going over to you, Connor, what do you think about that? How, how are we looking at Trevor Bauer, especially going to the Dodgers?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm I, not a Dodgers fan personally, but I just think it's crazy how they can pretty much buy their team. I mean, I looked at a statistic saying – they are paying more for Bauer than the entire Pirates 26-man roster is getting paid in the next year. And I mean, they're not even close to any other team. You can say the Yankees, but they're still 50 million from where the Yankees are. So essentially they are just buying their team. I mean, this could possibly be the best roster in baseball we've ever seen. I mean, just the pitching rotation, Mookie Betts, everybody on that roster is really good. And for his antics, I think you know. I think we need self-promotion in baseball. Yes, it's crazy. Yeah, it's not like football, but baseball needs some buzz. It doesn't get enough love. I mean, people don't talk about it enough. So I think a player like this helps the league in creating buzz and just getting people to talk about the MLB.
0: Yeah, especially I think joining the Dodgers. Of course, there are a few Dodgers fans out there. Uh, I hope to never see them. No, I'm just. <laughs> but it's just really interesting to see how how characteristic this Dodgers team is going to be now. I mean, they have some really big personalities, especially adding Trevor Bauer. Uh, a lot of guys that think they're probably the best in their in their section, such as pitching with Kershaw or, you know, just the rest of the team. So I think it's – are we easy, is it easy enough to say that they're just going to make it to the World Series and win? Is that oh, yeah. what about the Dodgers? Yeah. What do you think, Connor? Start us off. What, how how are, you, what are you saying about the Dodgers in the World Series this year? I mean,
1: I think without a doubt, I mean, unless something crazy injuries happen, two or three injuries, I think they're a shoe-in. I mean, they just have so much talent. Um, and their division, I mean, it's all right, but what do you have, the Diamondbacks? I mean, I mean, they're an okay team, and I'm a Diamondbacks fan, but, like, we need help, and the Dodgers just have everything, and I don't even watch when we play the Dodgers because it's just not a competition.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, for every other team in that same league, it's just really tough to see them get another fantastic player that you know you're going to have to watch your team go against this absolute powerhouse of a roster and see what they can do. I mean, it's basically you just got to try your best against a roster like this because there doesn't seem to be any holes. I mean, they've got a perfect pitching staff. Their outfield and infield is all pretty fantastic. But, Casey, what do you think? Is this pretty much World Series bound and won or
2: No. And I want to say that because there are up-and-coming teams like the Padres in their division that made a lot of key signings this offseason and trading for a lot of good pitchers this offseason. They got U Darvish, which is incredible. Like it seemed like every trade block pitcher was going to the Padres at a single point. And it was just like, okay, this team is going to be stacked. So that being said, I think the Padres are still a contender. And I know they got swept by the Dodgers in the postseason, but they're another team a new year. And also, I'm a Nationals fan, and I'm just going to say we're coming back, baby. Don't count us out. We got some good free agent signings this year. We beefed up our bullpen. We're coming back this year. Don't count us out. Yeah. So,
0: and Trevor Bauer just an absolute character like we've been talking about. Uh, Whether that be for the good or the worse, um, sometimes he can get a little problematic, as we've seen. Uh, He seemed to be quite the issue on the Indians back uh, back when he was on that team. So I guess we're going to have to see what kind of changes he's going to make to this roster when he joins, whether it changes the way other players uh, act on the team or whatever. Uh, but going over to you first, Connor, how do you think his presence is going to affect his team and the, the overall team uh, cohesiveness? Do you think it's going to be an issue, or do you think he's going to fit right in and it's going to be easy as pie? I truly think it depends
1: on how he enters the locker room if he has a big head like sometimes he does it could cause problems with other pitchers and even players on the rotation I mean some guys just don't like those big headed players they don't like the antics so to say but they are the Dodgers once again. So a lot of their players are used to the spotlight. They're used to be being talked about. So I think they will be fine. Um, I think this trade, or not this trade, but this signing was actually perfect because it just makes them
0: that much more untouchable in my opinion. Right, like you said, Connor, I think it really is going to come down to how he first makes that impression when he first gets in there and introduces himself to the team and really gets to start knowing them. Of course, I mean, if you think about it, if you put yourself in his shoes, if you just won the Cy Young, uh, you're getting paid $102 million over three years. I mean, you must think you're the best, right? I mean, you must think you're just this absolutely fantastic pitcher. So, I mean, you you just hope that he goes into the locker room with a little more humbleness and maybe doesn't explode into there
2: and show that he thinks he's the best or whatever. But, Casey, how do you think that's
0: going to
2: go down? like you said, he is going into the locker room with a chip on his shoulder, but you have to realize Clayton Kershaw is also in that locker room and he has an MVP on top of that. So <laughs> it'll, it'll be an interesting dynamic. I still think that their locker room was really cohesive last season. They lost another great piece, Jock Peterson, and they still haven't re-signed Justin Turner, who was also a good locker room guy. So it'll be interesting to see how that locker room presence kind of affects the whole thing. But I think they'll be fine. They all want to do the same thing. They all just want to go out there and win baseball games, and whatever it costs. I mean, you're getting paid forty million dollars a year to pitch a baseball, which is insane. <laughs> so um, we'll see. I hope it doesn't go to his head. I think he's actually in a place that he can call home and that he wants to be at. And he doesn't. He hasn't really had that since he was at the Indians, like in his first couple seasons, when he had the bloody finger and all that. So I think. Uh, I think this is. I think he'll be kind of more calm headed now that he's actually signed with a team and he knows he's going where he's gonna be playing because I think the whole thing was just a promotion piece that pay as much money as you want to me. And he got it. I mean he got forty million dollars his first year and forty two million dollars his second year and his third year is a player option for 20 million. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah I love that you
0: mentioned that Casey Yeah <laughs> I love that you mentioned that though Casey that he's gonna be coming back home Um, he's going to be in a place where he feels comfortable. And honestly, like you said, I really think we're going to see a more level headed Bauer. I'm, I'm convinced. I feel just for some reason, it just, it feels when he gets there, he's going to just be more at home at peace. Uh, he's, he already knows he's on one of the best rosters in, in the MLB. Um, so I think he's going to kind of be a little more humble about it and kind of walk into that locker room and know that he is another great pitcher on a fantastic pitching roster, and just kind of do his job and show why the Dodgers signed him. So that does it for our first half of this weekend edition of the Double Double. Um, After this, we'll be coming back talking about all things NBA, uh, who's the best team, who we might see win MVP and different awards like that. So see you guys in a couple minutes. All right, so this is part two of the
1: Double Double. I am joined with my co-host, Noah Dankin and we are also joined by a guest Dallas Cooper. Nice to have you Dallas. How are you doing today? Thank you for
3: having me. I'm doing great. How about you guys?
1: Pretty good. Can't complain Super Bowls tomorrow. I mean yes, sir. that's the life. All right so our first topic is going to be the NBA All-Star Game. Recently LeBron James has announced that he is hesitant to play in the All-Star Game because he is tired and he says this is a slap in the face due to the ongoing COVID pandemic and just the shortened season, it's all condensed. Um, Dallas, what are your thoughts on this all-star game?
3: I do understand where LeBron's coming from. I mean, personally, I do feel like they don't need to play it sort of like how the NFL did where they canceled the pro bowl. They still acknowledge the all-stars and acknowledge them, but like they don't actually play the game. I feel like they can just do that. Like, cause like with this pandemic going on, like, I feel like it's unsafe and you're just risking the players for like an exhibition game. It's not really worth it to me. Their bodies are tired. It's a condensed season. Like they need to get rest.
1: And I think you make a great point right there. I mean, there's a risk for injury always. Um, these players are, they're very vocal about being very tired and they're only what, a quarter of the way through the season and they're just exhausted. Uh, Noah, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah,
0: I mean, it's tough to make those guys go through an all-star game. After the season they had just been through, I mean, let's not to mention they had to play that whole second half of the season with all those COVID restrictions and having to be in the bubble and away from their families and friends. I mean, it's just tough. I think I think LeBron pretty much summed it up when he said zero energy, zero enthusiasm. Like all these guys, they've been going through a lot as well. Uh, they're really tired of having of not being able to see people that they want to see, you know? So when they're told that they need to participate in a game such as the all-star game, it's kind of almost a punch in the face to them by saying, you know, they're not allowed to see their family or friends, but they can go to this all-star game, you know, with all these other people. So I just think it's a really unfortunate situation for both the NBA and all the players. Uh, I mean, especially when you've got guys like LeBron, Yanis, Kawhi, all these big names talking about how they really don't want to do it. Um, and how it kind of just upsets them that the NBA still wants to go through with it. It's kind of unfortunate to watch, but so yeah, it's just a tough scene overall for the all-star game. I'd be, I'd be really surprised if it even ended up happening. Yeah, I think you make a great
1: point. And another point to add to that is the summer Olympics is coming up and they are going to have basketball. So you got to play that in. Are players going to want to play in that or just neither of them since they do have this condensed season, like I've mentioned um, do you think if you were a player, would you play in both the games, one of the games, or would you just call
3: it quits, Dallas? <laughs> I mean, I think there's different perspectives on each player because like there's like those really like young players that they're really eager to play. Like they want to be in the game. Like they that's all they've dreamed of. And then there's players like LeBron and stuff. And they're like, we've been here for like 15 years. Like we're, we're cool with it. Like we don't need it.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I'm going to ask you, Noah, do you think this is going to disappoint the fans, or do you think the fans will understand where these players are coming from?
0: Um, I definitely think the fans, they should, as a fan myself, a of these players and just the NBA in general, I am really understanding of what they've decided to do. Uh, they've all spoken out publicly on Twitter mostly, so a lot of the big names talking about how it's just, it shouldn't happen. Uh, it's just a little. You know, it's, it's, it sucks, honestly. So, But as, as a fan, uh, looking in, I really am not mad at them for not doing an All-Star game. As much as I love watching the All-Star game and all of my favorite NBA players go at it, um, I think I can go with a year without it. Uh, if, it if, if, if it's for the better for the NBA players, I'm all for it. So yeah, just whatever they decide to do, I think the NBA should really listen to them, uh, especially especially all of the players, not just the big-name players. Uh, and they should really take into account Uh, their feelings and what they think about this.
1: Yeah, I think you make a great point. And I mean, we got an amazing all-star game last year with those final, that final quarter. I mean, you know, with the death, the sad death of Kobe, I mean, they played their hearts out. And that's like the first time I've actually watched an all-star game where they were actually playing defense. So I found it interesting. Um, And another thing to talk about is this, I feel like this would be a disadvantage to LeBron because it's only been, 71 days between him winning the championship and him starting the season which is like nothing I mean he had no rest I mean do you believe that's a huge disadvantage
3: Dallas oh for sure his body like you had to think like the people that didn't even make it they didn't have to go through the bubble and everything like they had a whole extra like months to recover their bodies get extra training in and like the Lakers players, if you think about it, they like you said, 71 days, like there's no time to train in the off season at that. Like you're playing at the highest level. Those 71 days, they were recovering. They probably didn't even touch a basketball at that point. So yeah, like for sure it's a disadvantage for them.
0: Noah, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, and let's be honest, a lot of our favorite NBA players that we're gonna wanna be seeing in that all Star game, are all getting decently old, like Connor said. One game, sounds bad, but 71 days—the championship for for LeBron, at least—and uh, then the start of the season. But yeah, like guys like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, uh, all these guys are reaching their 30s. Uh, it's it's it takes a lot less to get them tired now because they've been doing it for so long. So, yeah, I think it's just, it's a big mixture of, of all these bad things. I, it's just, a, it's, un, it's an unfortunate event to have to worry about the All-Star game being played or not. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I just like
1: how LeBron is very vocal about this and kind of led, like, the charge against this All-Star game, because I feel like his role as, like, the GOAT, or some would argue, yeah, not the GOAT. I mean, I think it's up for debate, but being the best player in the league right now, I feel like. It is his job to kind of, you know, put in the player's word as far as, like, the association goes. Okay, so we're going to stick with basketball here. And we are going to talk about our predictions for the awards, best teams, and, yeah, just all the awards. Dallas, who do you feel like is going to win the MVP?
3: I have to feel, like, as the season has been going on, like, Nikola Jokic. Like, he's averaging near a triple-double for a center as a center yes (laughs) like he's like averaging near 27 points per game 12 rebounds eight assists like that's crazy No one's really on his level except for maybe Joel Embiid this year but like other than that I really think Jokic is gonna win this yep
1: do you have any like sleepers like
3: low-key guys who you think are getting slept on for MVP yeah I mean, I could see, like, always, like, what everyone says, LeBron, yeah. clearly. But, again, like, I don't think feel like he's going to win it because, like, the media, let's be honest, we get – like, it's LeBron. Like, you can't vote for him <laughs> every year. Yeah. But I see guys like um, Joel Embiid who can maybe do something. Heck, we could see Kevin Durant. Sneak in there. Who knows? Yeah. And I think you make a great point about, you know –
1: Jokic and Embiid. I mean, I feel like it's been a while since centers have been like the dominant force in the MVP conversation, and um, I, I kind of I enjoy seeing it because you know, he, like you said, he's almost averaging a triple double, which as a center, completely insane, and he's shooting a pretty good three
0: ball if I oh. do say so. Yep. Yeah. Noah, who are your thoughts for MVP? I mean, absolutely. Jokic, uh, especially after what we saw today uh, with a 50 point, 12 assists, eight rebound game. I just, I can't believe that. That doesn't sound real uh, as, as a center. Uh, it sounds like, you know, maybe Prime Jordan doing something like that or Prime LeBron, like <laughs> incredible stat line for just today. So, but overall, I think, yeah, with Jokic averaging what he does, uh, he's been showing a great presence for his team as well, leading in most categories. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Yanis, uh, attempts to maybe go for another MVP as well. Uh, he, he is leading his team, uh, in most categories again as well, but it's kind of lacking, uh, in his rebounding and his points, uh, compared to his previous two MVP seasons. So if he's going to try to go for the three Pete, I think he's definitely going to have to pick up his performance a little bit and shift up into high gear and try to get going. But yeah, a couple of my sleeper picks that I was going to suggest for MVP, um, I think we should definitely keep a close eye on Bradley Beal. Uh, I know he's doing a lot of scoring uh, with not as much in other categories, but if we're talking about most valuable player, he has shown day in and day out that he carries such a large load for that Wizards team. Even with Russell Westbrook on it, Bradley Beal is doing a lot of the work, uh, averaging almost 34 points so far this season with, I think, five rebounds and five assists as well. Uh, It's just going to be really interesting to see how he kind of evolves throughout the season as well and to see if he gets even better because especially over these last couple of seasons, he's been showing that he can be that number one scorer, and it's really going to be interesting to see if he honestly decides to trade and ask for a trade as well. Uh, We'll probably get into that a little more later, but, yeah, I think Bradley Beal is definitely one of my sleeper picks for the MVP race.
1: Yeah, I think you make a great point there because it is most valuable player. And without him, I mean, what would that team be? I mean, truly, I mean, that's the top. You have Russell Westbrook, great player, you know, probably one of the hardest playing players ever. He shows up to every game, works his heart off. And yeah, Um, so I think you make a great point with that. Um, My... MVP pick was Kevin Durant because, yes, he's coming off an injury, which makes it even more impressive. He's averaging 29 points a game, 52% from the field, and he's shooting a 44% three ball, which is – that's pretty crazy because he's attempting a lot of them a game compared to at Golden State. Um, so and going into that, I think the Nets are my team to win it all. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but you got, you know, three great players. You got Harden – You got Kyrie and you got KD. I mean, they're just like the big three that we haven't seen in quite a while. Maybe the Celtics. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen a big three besides Golden State. I mean, obviously, you got Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, KD back then. But, yeah, I just don't know how teams are going to defend all three positions when they can all pretty much do everything. They can drive. They can shoot the three. Uh, Dallas, what are your thoughts on the Nets?
3: I think the Nets – I've been saying since the trade happened, I thought that the Nets made a great move. Like, let's be honest, what team in the NBA has three perimeter defenders that can check either one of them, yeah. let alone one of them? Like, yeah. There's not many teams out there. People are saying, oh, their defense is going to be bad and everything. But you got to think there's going to be buyouts that happen during the middle of the season. Everything's going to happen. They're going to have a different team than what they look like right now. They're going to be better. Yeah. So I feel like the Nets are going to be fine. I think they're going to make it to the finals for sure. And whatever happens in the finals, I
1: guess we'll see. Are you glad to see that Harden's fitting in better than most people thought? I mean, he is leading the league in assists right now. So he is definitely doing that playmaking role, not taking
3: as many shots. Do you enjoy seeing that? I like when people thought people were saying like, oh, it's not going to fit. I immediately said Harden's gonna immediately take the point role. He played point guard in D'Antoni's system in Houston. D'Antoni's an assistant coach on this team. He's literally playing the Steve Nash role. He just has Kevin Durant and Kyrie to <laughs> his side. Like it just makes his job so much easier.
0: Yeah,
1: Noah, what are your thoughts on the Nets?
0: Yeah, honestly, I'm sorry Dallas, but I, I really believe that Brooklyn Nets defense is absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> Since, since the trade for Harden, uh, the Rockets' defense has actually shown that they are first in the league in defensive rating, while the Nets have dropped to 30th, which is, I'm pretty sure, dead last in the overall rating. And, you know, I mean, some people call it the Harden curse. Uh, we, we, you could get along with saying that. But uh, I think it's just an overall uh, lack of defensive pressure, honestly. Uh, if you look at some of their stats that they're doing, they, they're 26th in offensive rebounds allowed. Uh, they're pretty much second to last in field goals allowed. Um, so while they have this incredible offense with with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie and Irving, I mean, they really got to do something on the defensive end. And, as good as a team as they are, I don't see them finishing anywhere in the top three if they don't figure this out within the next couple of weeks.
1: I mean, I completely agree with you. I think they are a good team, but that they are defensive liability. I mean, KD can play defense, and we've seen that. But like you said, Harden not known for his defense at all.
3: Dallas, who's your favorite going in to the season? My favorite team, I gotta, yeah. I gotta say the Lakers. Lakers. They won the championship <laughs> last year. And honestly, if you look at their off-season additions, they got a lot better, like way better. People are – like people are sleeping on their additions. Like Mark Gasol brings mm-hmm. skill plus size for them. They got Montrez Harrell coming off the bench. They got everybody, Dennis Schroeder's balling out. I think they're still a favorite. And they got probably the best two players in the world. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Who do you think is their best off-season addition? Hmm. I would have to say probably Schroeder. Yep. He gives him just another attacker so like Bron can even more just relax. He can play yep. off ball way more. He's getting older. You got to give him some possessions off. Yep. Schroeder can like do that. I agree with you. I
1: mean, you make a great point. I mean, LeBron's not getting younger and it looks like he's drinking from the fountain of youth. I mean, his game just, it looks pretty steady, but you got to think it will take a toll on him eventually. We just don't know when that is going to be. Now Noah, who do you think is gonna is the team your favorite?
0: Now, just looking at how the rankings are thus far, uh, I'm really liking the way the Utah Jazz are looking. They're playing playing absolutely incredible basketball, both on the offensive and defensive sides. Uh, You've got Donovan Mitchell, of course, leading the charge, averaging 23 points. But you've got really good role players, such as Jordan Clarkson, I think, is averaging 18 points for them. And Mike Conley is somewhere around 15. They've just got a really solid first six men. Uh, And it's just going to be really interesting to see how they keep evolving throughout the season, especially. Uh, With Rudy Gobert receiving that pretty large contract, I think he's definitely showing that he was worth it. Uh, he is an absolute menace on the defensive end, whether that be offensive or defensive rebounds. And he can just, he's just an incredible center, especially working with guys like Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, they've got great uh, pick and roll play. Uh, they just got some fantastic stuff. So seeing the Utah Jazz have a really good record so far this season is honestly awesome to see. And I'm, I'm really excited for them. Even being a Thunder fan, uh, I should not like the Utah Jazz a couple of years ago but uh, I really like to see where this team goes especially if they're gonna make a deep run possibly into the playoffs.
1: Yeah I think that's a great point I mean the Jazz usually aren't that talked about to be honest um, and they have like like you said three amazing you could call point guards they could all play point guard and Conley, Donovan Mitchell and yeah I mean that's where I'm kind of hesitant about can they defend all five positions because Rudy Gobert trust me one of the best defensive players in the league but can the other players on the team defend and guard teams like the Lakers and the Nets what are your thoughts on that Dallas
3: that's the thing I have a problem with the Jazz I feel like it's hard for a lead guard to be the best offensive player on a team like if you look at the last 20 years really Steph Curry is the outlier. He's really the only lead guard that won a championship in the last 20 years. Donovan Mitchell, I, I feel like he's gonna have trouble in the playoffs. Defenses are gonna be prepared. They're gonna like key in on him. We know that Gobert, he's a great defender, but let's be honest in the playoffs, his value goes down. Protecting the rim is great, but in the playoffs there's shooters out there. You gotta be able to step up and he's consistently shown he can't, he can't switch. So I feel like the Jazz kind of get like picked apart every year in the playoffs because teams have an M- M.O. against them. Yeah.
1: And do you think that's to their lack of size or do you think their size is fine?
3: I feel like they do have a lack of size. They rely on that three guard lineup a lot. And if they're going against the Lakers, like you're not going to have Jordan Clarkson <laughs> match up LeBron. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Noah, do you have any
1: thoughts on that? Would you like to add on to that? I think, I think
0: Dallas is 100% right. Um, there's there's going to be a huge issue when the Jazz run into the Lakers in the playoffs if they do end up making it to that point. Um, the Jazz, of course, Rudy Gobert is an obvious – he's a big tower. He's that center that you like having. He's great at defending. Who can defend the other center? But what about the other guys on the Lakers like Montrez and LeBron, all these guys that are so much taller than the rest of the roster? For the Jazz. Uh, I just see that being a huge issue, especially in the paint. Uh, Those three that I just mentioned Montrez, Anthony Davis, and LeBron are absolute monsters in there. So if you've only got Rudy Gobert against the three of them, I can't really see that going very well. (laughs) You're going to have about 65 points in the paint on you, and you're going to lose by 10 every time. So I think the Jazz are going to have to figure out something really spectacular if they're going to want to beat that Lakers team. But other than that, they've got such a fantastic core, such a good offense. They all work together really well. They've got role players that score and role players that assist and rebound. So I think it's going to be super interesting to see how these teams turn out this season.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, they – Despite having the best record, I think they still are slept on. People don't think they actually have what it takes. And I think they do uh, besides that defense. But if they can figure that out, I think they have a good shot. Uh, Dallas, going over to you. Do you have any predictions for offense or or rookie of the year
3: and defensive player of the year? For rookie of the year, I got to say LaMelo. He's been just crazy. He's given me like – I'm getting like flashes of Jason Kidd with a little little bit of Jason Williams, too, with the behind-the-back passes. He got the flash. He has the it factor. Like I'm seeing that already in the first, like, 20-something games, immediately showing he has the it factor. So he's got to be my rookie of the year. And slipped on defensive player of the year. I'm thinking Miles Turner. He's averaging near four blocks a game this year. That would be the first time since Mutombo. Ain't nobody done that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you make a great point there. I mean... Both great players that you mentioned. LaMelo Ball is showing out. I mean, people doubted him once he got drafted, and I think he is proving them wrong. I mean, he is a reason to tune in to that team. I mean, he is, like you said, he is the if factor. People like seeing him. He can pass. His shooting, at times, a little off, but I think he's been shooting better than I expected, actually. I mean, he when he played against Lonzo Ball, hitting that step back three, I think that was really impressive. Uh, Going over to you, Noah, do you have any predictions for Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah,
0: um, which it's a bit unfortunate, but I think this guy isn't talked about a lot because of the team he's on, the Kings. But uh, Tyrese Halliburton, I think, has really come out and showed that he is quite the fantastic rookie. Uh, He's kind of, I feel like he kind of came into the game a little unknown. Uh, People didn't know his name nearly as much as Lamelo's or some of the other people in the draft. But he's really been showing how important he is to that Sacramento Kings team. He's averaging around 12 points uh, and then five in each of the other categories, uh, along with along with a couple of steals and a couple of blocks every game. Uh, he's a really good all-around player, and it's just fun watching him kind of es- escalate that Kings team a little bit, even though they are kind kind of in a rut right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of develops in the next two to three years. And then for a the defensive player of the year, uh, of course, A. D. is always in the talk. He always has quite the, the stats to show that he could be the defensive player of the year. But I'm really liking Dallas as uh, Miles. Uh, yeah, that's like it's an awesome pick. Uh, I think that that's it, it'll see. It'll be interesting to see how he kind of evolves through the rest of the season and how he might show even further why he could be the defensive player of the year. But yeah, I think it's it's still it's still honestly a toss-up for me. I don't see any any center standing out other than maybe Rudy Gobert. Who, who does a lot of that heavy lifting on the defensive end for the Jazz. But other than that, I think it's, it's still pretty open for defensive player of the year. And I think you're exactly right there, because there are, you know, a lot of people. Giannis, always
1: in the conversation. Rudy, Rudy Gobert, always in the conversation. AD, always in the conversation. I mean, you can't ever count them out, because they can turn it on at any time. And I'm interested to see if Giannis, like you guys previously mentioned, if he will turn it on, in fact, you know, get more points, get more rebounds, get more assists. And I personally think he will, because I think, you know, in order to win, he doesn't want to miss another championship again. He doesn't want to lose in the playoffs. I think that's getting to him. So I think he's going to try to turn it around. Dallas, what do you
3: think of the Bucks situation right now? The Bucks situation is kind of interesting. I do feel like maybe they did cap out at their best, because Brook Lopez isn't getting any younger. You're having Drew Holiday. I like that addition, but like Chris Middleton, I'm not, I think he's a great player, don't get me wrong, I I love his game, I don't know if he's a number two on a championship team, so it's interesting, I'm not really like feeling that they're going to win the East, I don't even know honestly if they're going to get to the conference finals, to be honest.
1: Yeah, especially when you're looking at teams like the Nets and all the other good teams. I mean, you got to wonder if they have what it takes to get there. I mean, obviously, Giannis, two-time reigning MVP, you got to account for that. But like you said about Chris Middleton, I don't think he is that number two guy. I mean, obviously, he is right now, but I think they need another number two and move him to number three because he will – shoot until he is cold. I mean, we've seen that he will shoot until he's missed six in a row. And that is, that plays a large factor into those losses. I know, would you like to weigh in on this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Both of you guys are right. I think inconsistency is Chris Middleton's worst nightmare. Um, He's of course shown that he can really show up in those games where he is hitting uh, and he's, and he's good on his threes and his field goals. But when he's not, he is definitely one of the coldest players out there, uh, missing wise. (laughs) So I think it's tough to see if he is, is he going to be able to, you know, improve on his consistency and maybe show that he is that number two guy, or is maybe Drew Holiday going to have to come in and show that he can be the number two guy, you know, uh, just trying to play around with what the Bucks currently have. So I think another thing that those, that Bucks team needs is I think need a little more enthusiasm. I don't know. Yanis, uh, uh, especially uh, he's done fantastic over these past two seasons, won an MVP in both. Uh, and unfortunately, I think he might be getting a little tired of, of leading this team to a really good record uh, and then losing an uh, unfortunate playoff spot. So I think this year is definitely going to be a staple to see if Yanis is fully on board and committed to this Bucks organization, because I don't know. I've just seen a bit of energy lacking from that team recently, and it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of find a way to pick up team morale and get back into the groove of things. Yeah, and I completely agree with you with uh, the whole Giannis situation. Like he, I wouldn't,
1: he is carrying the team, but not like Bradley Beal and the Wizards. But I feel it is interesting that would, should he want to stay if they can't get to at least the conference championships or the finals? I mean, you're just wasting away his, Giannis's best years. And you got to wonder if that's going to get to him and affect his decision to want to stay with the Bucs. Dallas, do you think he eventually, will want to trade or get out of Milwaukee?
3: I do not think so. And the reason why is that $260 million going to his bank account.
1: I think that's a great point. Just keep it short and sweet. I think that's a great point. Noah, do you agree with what Dallas just said?
0: No, no, I mean, that's that's pretty accurate, honestly. Uh, That's a lot of money for a basketball player, especially. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely going to be a big factor, but it'll be interesting to see what he puts ahead in his own agenda, whether he puts his salary first or whether he puts his want to win a championship first. And I think that's what it's really going to come down to. He's going to have to decide whether he wants to fully commit to this Bucks team, which would be a good move for him. He's shown that these past couple of years, especially that like he's a great foundation block for the team and they kind of are able to revolve around him almost and, not not he's not carrying them you're right connor but he kind of brings the team together in a way that makes them seem a lot better than they might be if they were on another team um so it's going to be super interesting to see how that goes um and how Yanis might be able to pick up his production uh and give the team some morale but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that goes
1: yeah and i completely agree with you i mean i watched the Yanis documentary and he has talked about how loyal he is to the Bucs because of how much they helped him and his family and his transition to the United States. So I think that also plays a key role. All right, guys. so we're near the end of our show. Uh, quick predictions for the Super Bowl. Who do you got winning? What's the score? Uh, MVP, stuff like that.
3: I got old man Brady. I got the Bucks winning, I would say. I would think I think it's a shootout. I think it's going to be 34, 27, Bucks win, Tom Brady goes out on top, MVP, Super Bowl win, retires on the field, he's done. That would be the way to go out, wouldn't it?
1: Uh, Noah, do you have a
0: score prediction? Yeah, so my score prediction, I, I think it's either going to be really close between the Bucs. Uh, if I had to say, I'd say the Bucks are going to win maybe 28-24. Uh, I think it's going to be a really decent game, uh, really close. Uh, the only way I see a blowout happening is if, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs got going, especially on the defensive end. Uh, if, if the defense started stopping Tom, I think, I think we've seen it before when Tom kind of gets stuttered on the defensive on the offensive end. He kind of starts to give up a little bit or loses his enthusiasm. But I think if he's able to stay away from that, he'll be fine. And yeah, I think it's going to be a really close one. But I still see Tom Brady just being Tom Brady and doing his thing and winning it for the Buccaneers. Yeah, I completely
1: see that too. Uh, Another interesting thing is Chiefs, usually they are known for being down at the half going in, you know, to the third and fourth quarter, and they are the comeback team. Do you see them potentially going down and then coming back, Dallas, or do you think it's going to stay pretty, you know, obviously you predicted your score, but do you think the Chiefs will be down at half?
3: I do think the Chiefs will be down at half because the Chiefs are a third quarter team. So I could see a score maybe at half of like maybe – 21 bucks, maybe like Chiefs seven, and then like all of a sudden Chiefs storm back and then Brady has to do a comeback from the fourth quarter. I could definitely see that. The Chiefs are definitely a team that could score really quickly.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. Noah, do you think they will have a comeback in them? Uh, Do you think they'll make it, you know, a close game?
0: Yeah, I don't don't know why. This is just a feeling, but I I think the Chiefs might be up at the half, honestly. I think the Chiefs are going to get out to a really strong start. I think they're going to get in the groove a little bit. And then, of course, that second half is just Tom Brady land. Uh, and, I, and I think something magical is going to happen. And you're going to see the whole team improve. And I think the Bucs are just going to be able to rise over the Chiefs. Uh, just it's, it's just that whole thing that comes with Tom Brady. You know he's an absolutely fantastic quarterback. And even just his presence kind of makes every team better that he's on. So it'll be really interesting to see how that goes.
3: Yeah,
1: and I think a good thing to mention is this would be the ultimate kick in the face to Patriots fans and Bill Belichick because he would prove that he did not need them this whole time. Obviously, Bill Belichick, great coach. and But a lot of people argued, hey, it's Bill Belichick, it's not Brady. And I think if he won this, it would end that conversation right there. Uh, really quick, um, Dallas, do you think they will be able to contain Kelsey and Hill? And who do you think they should focus on guarding?
3: So I feel like what they need to do for sure the guys that are going to be to shut down hill and kelsey straight up my thing is they need to get to before he can even throw the ball that's honestly their only chance guys like shaquille barry jason pierre paul adama kinsu they're gonna need to play the game of their lives they're gonna need to come out and just ball yeah i think they're gonna need for sure double double kelsey and just play over the top on hill and hope you don't give them no big plays.
1: Yeah, you can't have the repeat of the last time they played, that's for sure. Uh, Noah, do you think, who would you focus on guarding if you could only, you know,
0: pay more attention to one, Kelsey or Hill? Yeah, I mean, it really des- it depends on which kind of offensive groove Patrick Mahomes is going to get in, to be honest. Uh, Kelsey, I feel like, is a lot of a lot of Mahomes' short game. Uh, you'll see Kelsey do a lot of routes where he just pops out and catches a quick ball in a, in a breakdown play or just is there for the short pass to get a couple of yards. Uh, and Tyreek Hill, on the other hand, is the one that is, is catching 50-plus yard catches almost every other game for a touchdown. So I really think it depends which way he goes with that offense, maybe a little bit of both. But definitely I'd, I'd say watch for Kelsey overall. Uh, I feel like he's going to be really key in this game because I feel like there's going to be a lot of strong defensive players from the Bucks, and we're going to have to see Patrick Mahomes to Kelsey a lot to kind of make sure that doesn't get out of hand.
1: Yeah. And I think you're exactly right there because I think the Buccaneers will try to, you know, limit or not Kelsey will limit Hill because they don't want a repeat of last game. So I think that's going to leave some opportunities open for Kelsey. So they really got to watch him. Uh, Well, thank you. That is all folks. Uh, Thank you, Dallas, for being our guest. And thank you, Noah, for being the great co-host you are. This is our episode of a double double and we will see you next week. Thank you guys very much.